Good afternoon and welcome to a Contagious Smiles podcasting for pause special international annual event. You know, you'd think I could talk. I am so excited, I guess, because I am getting to have in front of me these two amazing people who everybody knows. I don't even know which one to start with because I'm kind of just sitting here like dumbfounded. We have Marla and Dave Thomas, who everybody knows. Marla was on Love and Hip Hop season two. And Dave, who was in and still is in Take Six, which is music I absolutely love and cherish. I cannot thank you both for being here today and being a part of this uh, charity event that we're putting on for our puppies. Well, thank, thank you so for much for having us, us. for sure. Yes. You guys are doing amazing things yourself, and I am just so honored that you guys took time out of your amazing schedule to be a part of this for us. Please tell us what you guys are doing with your own work. Well, um, and again, thanks for having us. For us, it, you know, this is this is twofold. Number one, um, it's about extending the conversation and creating a change in the way that we actually deal with, look at, and accept mental illness. Yes. Um, or as Dave and I like to call it, because it is so stigmatized, we've learned to call it in our family, brain difference. Um, you know, someone who's different than the consensus norm that we all seem to, you know, accept and operate by. And which, is, which is not a term that uh, we coined. We actually borrowed that from a book called Brain Difference. So that, but we, we find that that's much more palatable um, for those who are suffering, number one. Number two, man, it's it's the foundation work we're doing. Everything that David and I talk about and that we we have we've been through is based on, unfortunately, our experience. Mm. We're not gleaming, you know, information. Uh, it's not like you know something happened. I'm going to read a book and I'm going to try to apply this. The the ugly truth is, and I say this, you know, publicly, mental illness kicked my door into my home and snatched out what was most valuable to me. And it was two of my three children. Um, and at that point, um, we've been able, as we have walked along um, and in this process, there we now know where things are most important for us to focus our attention and our foundation's first initiative is to start our first mental health transition home. So it would be a place for, the, for step down for somebody who goes through a crisis, goes through a hospitalization and comes out and, and needs this assistance of, you know, to be able to have, be housed and to be treated and all of the things that, that we really need. Because to be honest, um, I don't think a lot of people realize how predatory and in a lot of cases, you know, the mental, men, people look at mental illness and they always look at the most aggressive things that you heard, which are on the media or whatever, but they're often the victims That's right. of, all kinds of abuses and you know we've experienced that ourselves with our son so for us it's like you know what I, I i have no choice but to turn my greatest pain into purpose and that's why we're here absolutely and like marla was saying just to uh, give a little bit more detail to some of our past experiences one of one of the times our son was picked up uh you know by the time we finally got a handle on that and had him pretty much placed in an FSP program um, uh, that the county was running, uh, next thing you know, one of those predatory, um, I guess, housing. step down housing, literally contacted the hospital, made an arrangement. I don't really know how it happened, but next thing, next thing we knew, our son was in this substandard housing, and it was so bad uh, that we we just decided that we had to do something about it. And you guys are comfortable enough to tell us a little bit about your son's story. 
Oh, absolutely. Oh, sure. Um, you know, well, so let me just say that that between our son and our daughter, okay. which would be our our eldest and our son, um, they are, as far as our us being parents and having them responsibly treated, which brought diagnosis. And I have to say that because, you know, a lot of things, especially we understand that a lot of the, the misinformation comes from, um, in particular, our, our daughter's actual issues. But the reality is there is no self-diagnosis that went on in our family. And our son was so in, so when he was young, um, in junior high, we, we, we really didn't realize, but that's when the first issue happened. And that was him beginning his road down drug use. Mm. Um, that became so intense by the time he got to be 18 or 19. Um, you know, we found out he was, had gone as far as using heroin. So he put himself in, we, well, we, at that point, you know, you have to, the lines, the boundaries are strong and they're, they're, they're what they have to be, because even though you want more for them than they seem at that point to want for themselves. Right. It is them. They themselves have to actually submit themselves to a treatment and to want to, want to recover. Right. So DJ did that. He went to a rehab and he was in a, a, a facility where it was a residential for 18 months. He was completely recovered. And at that point, he put himself back in college, two years, straight A student, and then fractured at 23. And it was at that time that we brought him home, um, got him, went through a whole series of, you know, diagnosis, doctors, and found out that DJ had bipolar one with schizoaffective disorder. So that is his, and he's, and that is our, um, I had Moniece when Dave and I got married, but that, that is our first biologically born child. And it's, it's weird because the first time that was even a discussion was when our daughter went on Love and Hip Hop because that's not how our children were raised. Right. We raised them all. Dave and I got married when she was one. As a nuclear family. Yeah, exactly. Period. Yeah. So that's where that's where DJ's diagnosis first um, was understood by us. And that's really a brief synopsis. Even before that, back in the junior high days, he was diagnosed with anxiety. Um, we had no idea how that was playing into because one of the issues that a lot of people don't realize, which adds, adds to the stigma, is that uh, drug use and, and mental health issues usually go, go hand in hand as, a, uh, as, as co, uh, co-occurring uh, issues. And so for our son, that was definitely the case. And, you know, like Marla said, that she, she kind of just briefly went over the part. But at first, she and I weren't even on the same page. And that adds to the the stress in the family dynamic as well. So it took a while for us to actually, especially for me to actually get on the same page that she was. She seemed to recognize it a lot sooner than I did. Um, and then, you know, a lot, a lot of times we don't usually focus on the diagnosis of our oldest daughter uh, because of the fact that, you know, for some people that the diagnosis itself brings stigma and it's hard for them to deal with. It. DJ actually, when he, when he is balanced at his request, He's, he would ask, you know, he wanted me to help. Uh, Mom, can you help me? You know, to be honest, when he was, you know, the, the Dr. Phil thing was a joke. And when I say that it was a joke, we never, you know, a very concerned mom um, that we were associated with happened to see me on a Facebook and called the Dr. Phil show and said, can you help this family? Found out who we were. They called. At that time, DJ was living on the street. So they didn't just, this is not like a, you know, hey, Let's try to, you know, get on Dr. Phil. 
Right. They called us and the request was, what is it that you guys would want? And I said, we've already done all of our research for where he needs to be treated that would be most effective. We can't afford it. It's $20,000 a month. And, and on average, it's anywhere between 10 and 20 for an IOP, which is a, which is a live-in inpatient situation right. that has all of the tools present, the type of of therapies that they have, the group therapies, the vocational therapies, the the nutritional aspect of it, um, and then have a, have psychiatry on board and you know medication until we can get to this other place. And it's very intensive, um, but very thorough. Those types of programs that do really work, um, which is what we're now trying to also you know we, our curriculum is similar. Those programs are expensive, and insurance won't do it. Period. End of story in the states of Florida and California. So we are we are California residents. So we just knew you can't, it's not sustainable. And at that point, I made my own tagline out of anger that just says, so now I get it. Sanity is for the is for the wealthy, not even the rich. Sanity is for the wealthy. That's not rich, that's wealthy. Like you to sustain $20,000 a month cash and to take care of your home. Not even part of your household expenses. That's just something. It's two things. Yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah, it's like another whole situation. I don't know. Well, we do know a few people who could do that, but it's not anybody in my nuclear um, circle. You expect anyone to do that. I mean, well, there are, some there are some pretty high profiles that, in other words, these places aren't empty. So the the point that I'm making is I just, feel um, this, if it were not for this, I can't leave this planet without making this particular difference because it has affected my children. And I understand it's something I always had a compassion about and was empathic about, but it, but I, but it's easy to dismiss it because of all the things. Now I'm, I always say that we're the outlier family. And when I say outlier, I, I do know the traumas exist and they do and they, and they precipitate a lot of this. However, I can tell you factually and actually that that was not our story. We've been married 35 years. There's been no trauma in our direct house. Like I'm listening to you tell your story and I'm, you know, in the beginning before we even started our podcast about your past. And I realized and I go went public recently and had a whole series about my ex because I realized how how blessed I was to avoid your outcome. And I, it's called the diary of a madman. I get it, I've been there, but was able to be removed from that you know, before it was critical. So for me, all of these things have been brought forth and now I'm just fighting because if my child yeah. had diabetes, then then the, the, the stigma, the anger that I get- The healthcare the system would move to uh, help mitigate any of the issues that go yeah. along with diabetes. But he has a difference that is literally chemically brain driven. Mm -hmm. And what did you do? You you're you're emotionally abusive, blah 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 blah, and on and on and on and on. As if, and it's not. It's only those who suffer, which now more people are coming out, which is you know one in four, one in five people, right, having issues. Now all of a sudden, which is good, but we now you get it. Yeah, and we can't and we can't uh, uh, avoid the significance of National Suicide Prevention uh, Month right. um, that we are wrapping up. And you know, a lot of these issues, uh, people don't really understand how much stress it not only places on the individual that suffers with the brain difference, but the families of those that try to love beyond reason 
which is the name of our uh, of our foundation, uh, because to stick in there and to hang in there until a solution is found um, takes a, a lot of fortitude and a lot of ignoring all of the stigmatization that goes along with it from society and people who just don't understand, which is why we have to keep, like Marla said, pressing the issue on this fight to raise awareness. That's the first thing so that we can actually, because a lot of times, you know, unfortunately in our political environment, the argument has become between gun violence and mental illness, which, you know, sometimes those things uh, across, uh, but at the same time, it's not one or the other. Right. Uh, and we really need to get to the point where mental illness is not a political tool. It's something that we've been dealing with throughout time, throughout all of history, but now it's time for us to focus on making it better. Let's take our understanding of with what we've learned and gained insights from scientific research, which you know, a lot of times people think that mental health um, uh, uh, mitigation techniques are something that have you know just etched in stone, but we're still almost we're at the frontier, really, and we need to pour more funding into it and continue to raise awareness. Right. And I'm sorry, I, I'm just like you guys in, in respect to the fact that mental illness is an illness. It's like diabetes. It's like cancer. It's not something somebody chooses to have. They're not going to raise their hand and say, I, I want this. Uh, and I'm sorry, they need to be treatment out there that's provided for people who need it. I'm sorry if, you know, the legislature and the government and the Congress and all of them, you know, sitting up there, if they had it, you best believe things would get changed very, very and some, they do. And some of them do. Matter of fact, there's a yeah. senator um, who was in Virginia so far. He's the only one that is completely in a heartbeat. He was stabbed 17 times by his son before his son went and took his own life and he lived and he immediately and and they he ended up being home with his father because his mother took him to the hospital, mental health, and they said, we don't have any beds. And she said, he can't come home with me because he's, you know, so out of sorts at this point. And the dad said, you know, I, fine, I'll take him home. And that they had that incident. And so that's just one of many stories. And that's the interesting thing apart, about it to me. Here's what I find to be stunning and shocking and startling. I speak to everybody. Mm -hmm. I, I have several communities. I'm, we're big pickleball players, the whole thing. And when I'm having conversations in the world, I promise you, and this is going to be a giant statement, there is no one that I know, and I'll repeat that, there is no one that I know that is not directly affected if it is not someone in their best, mother, father, sister, child, brother, parent, it is them. Yes. And I'm just letting you know when I say that, and I say it in that way, because when I said it one day, I was like, wow, that's impactful because of the amount of people that I know. And the way and the circles I, that you know that I that I crisscross in are so vast. And when I thought about that, I'm like, man, you know, it's just that I'm willing to talk about it, and then they immediately join the conversation with, yeah, me too, right. And so for for me, I'm like, man, so we we have this silent sub conversation going on that's buried. And when this situation happened, and I'm going to tell you what what else is very interesting that I'll share here on this podcast. As much as I cringe, I also see God's plan in the fact that if it were not for my oldest daughter, who ended up being on reality TV, my 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 pub my public outpouring and discussion would not be what it is today. We were placed on a public platform. You know, David and I would broadcast before, and our broadcast 
was nothing about, you know, this type of the depths of despairing uh, uh, realities with our family, you know, because that's that's not. So my thing all the time, I want to be sure and I'll say it here again. When you hear my voice. I'm on a platform that I was unfortunately placed in. Right. I'm not encouraging everybody to come air your family crisis on social media. What I'm saying is we're we're stifling the conversation in your house. You're stifling the conversation with people around you in your community, in your churches, your friends, your groups that can help because we're so ashamed to say, oh, wow, this is this is even that's why I reach out to a lot of parents. I get phone calls all the time to speak to people individually mm-hmm. um, who are basically suppressing this in this pain. Their children are suffering and they and the friends around them don't even know what to do to help. And a lot of the times I get calls, you know, can you kind of organically show up at this event? Because, you know, she's she's struggling so much. She doesn't want to talk to us because she feels they're normal and she's not. But it's all of us. And so therefore, you know, if I can continue to educate people on what we're dealing with, it will help us learn how we can better serve those that we do love. Right. And friends and family, because you it's about understanding it so you can bring the right service to the table. Yes. You can't, you can have the best intentions in the world, but if you don't know what you're dealing with, your advice is you, what you're bringing can't even soothe, help, or further the situation. Right. Let me ask you both, since everybody always asks, how are they doing? How are you two doing? How are you handling it as, as a mom and a dad? going through this. I mean, I know that Dave said he wasn't on the same page as you at first. How were you two managing it on your own, seeing your own children go through this? Uh, Well, I'll start off by saying, you know, there's a people, when we talk about stigma, there is, people don't understand that we as parents go through stigma as well. Uh, Like Marla said, people always at the beginning say it must be the parenting. Um, so there's that issue that you have to deal with. There's also the issue of so desperately wanting to, um, but, and, I, and I'll go back to the first issue. That's something that I dealt with as well. You know, there are times when I realize that sometimes I just don't want to talk about it because I don't want to have to deal with all the peripheral uh, 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 subterfuge and, 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 and name calling and finger pointing that goes along with just dealing with this issue. Uh, but like Marla says, she constantly reminds me that you have to actually continue to speak out because if you don't, there are others who will just like my tendency is to not be willing to speak out because of the same issues that I, that, that we all deal with. And so that's the first thing. The second thing is, um, you know, sometimes you can so desperately want healing, um, that part of the, part of the. Uh, the separation that can happen in a relationship is one person can say that the other blank, I'll just call it blank. One person can say the other person should be doing more to fix the situation. And in reality, this is, has nothing to do with one parent's fault or the other. And the tendency in all of these issues is just to make separation. And it's a fight to, to stick together. And that's something that <laughs> thankfully our relationship is based, uh, the, our, our original show was called the Marlon Dave Show Relationship CPR. Uh, and, and we've been friends for so long that there are times when 
the breaking point comes right to the precipice. And we have to rely on the fact that our friendship is the basis of our relationship. Um, and as far as how I'm doing, I have, it is, you know, I'm way more high strung than Dave um, in his, his ability. We met in second grade, his ability to compartmentalize. He's always been, you know, he's like this. He runs like this. Dave is, Dave is a, uh, he's a Prius. Oh, Dave is a, a Prius and and I'm a plaid test. How about that? So so both of us burn clean energy, but I just, you know, am a lot more of this. And so for me, I always say that, you know, but I believe that's what God made me. And spiritually for me is has been a, 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 a keeping really has been a has been a keeping power for me. Um and I say that because I'm I'm bulletproof. I literally know that God has made me bulletproof because even inside myself, my what I I I bring logic to me, meaning, who are you to judge someone? We all came out of someone's uterus somewhere. Yes. And that makes you equal to me. It as far as I was, as far as I believe and know, there's only one human who walked this earth and did it perfectly. And it's nobody that I know. So unless you can show me some pierce marks, right? That it's, I bow to I bow to no one. And and but yet I love everyone. So for me, I feel that deeply. And what I feel like is the the anger that that you hear underneath is I'm really this person. And if people are watching the way you're attacking me, who has spent my life trying to deal with my children. We spoke earlier. What about what about the mother who can't handle that and sees that and goes, I, I can't get help. I can't. I, I, I'm afraid to say anything to anybody because I it look what they're look what they're doing to her. Like, you know, nobody wants to voluntarily be crucified. Right. And you're already for something that you're already struggling with in silence, like you would never believe. This I've the closest I've come to just giving up. Because I'm like, man, it, this this is this is unbearable. Like when it comes to a factor of your children and love, it is unbearable. Nothing in this world could have compared me for this outcome. I mean, well, I'll, put, I'll say it like this: There's not a night that goes by that we just sleep peacefully. Uh, you know, we we I tend to wake up extremely early, and one of those reasons is because once my mind starts going, how you know. And I'm like Marla said, I approach things very logically. And for the most part, uh, in dealing with a lot of these issues, I'll try one thing after the next and just keep trying. But, you know, and you have to learn from failure. But in this process, there is a lot of failure. And so and that weighs heavily on a parent because you just want the best for your kids. And no matter what you say, no matter what you do, it's not just a one way street. Help has to not just be offered, it has to be accepted. And so that almost takes takes us as parents out of the control, the driver's seat completely, ultimately, of a situation. And we have to work on ways to actually bring them into the fold willingly. And that is, that is, <laughs> that's a very difficult And that's process. another, I'm glad Dave hit on that, you know, the the cooperation in once your child gets to be 18 and over that is absolutely necessary and so this concept of you know do you know that i would be i would be a wealthy woman 
if I had a dollar that everybody, every, every time someone said publicly and or privately, I don't understand why you just don't put them, put them in, in the hospital. I don't understand why you don't have your child institutionalized. That's your kid. That's why. That's your child. That, that, no, they, they just don't. It doesn't work that way. That's, <laughs> the issue is the system does not work that doesn't way. It's not as way. if we haven't been trying desperately to, to get, get our help, son to get the help, the help all that, that he needs, need. to get our daughter the help that she needs. But and, and 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 the one good thing for us is that we have three children. Uh, we love all of our children dearly, but only one of them has decided to be a partner with us in the structure and the success of their own life. And uh -huh. so we we know that it is possible. But we will continue to seek for answers to our, our, our other children as well. And, and that's it. And you also learn quickly that the same way that I have to let go and not internalize the, the mental health condition and, and failure, so to say, of our children's productivity, I also can't take credit and internalize the success of the one. They're yeah. their own human beings. We supply Absolutely. the same tools for all three but you are who you are and how that turns out in your life is going to be different for each and every one of them but the, what's consistent for us is the love that we have for all three and, equally. And, and, and the key really seems to be the ability of the child to accept that unconditional love that the parent is offering unconditional love doesn't mean that it doesn't come without structure it doesn't come without paradigms uh, that sometimes have to be more rigid than other times uh, especially when you're dealing with someone with emotional and mental health issues. So, you know, that learning curve, you know, can get bumpy from time to time. And, and we're, you know, with our oldest daughter, we're in a bumpy patch right now. Um, uh, but God willing, you know, we're not going to stop. Uh, we're going to keep pushing uh, until we receive success or we're no longer on the planet. Right. Now, do you mind me asking what is going on with your daughter? Um, no, you can ask. I mean, first of all, you know, to be honest, Monique's situation is the hardest of situations for us to be truthful. There's 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 key factors that, you know, things that that we know that we again came out publicly. But number one, Monique is also a mother, which is our first priority. Um, you know, we have a 13 year old grandson. And, you know, we don't get into those any of the the familial difficulties, but just the fact that things are have the potential to always be this unstable no matter what it is whether you're saying it or not we know what that's that's destabilizing as a parent in general so that's the first thing that we're always considering that our function is to manage um him as a priority because in every situation as you explained earlier which I to hats off and prayers up um our children are everything Yes. including and so and and they're the only innocent things ever even if i make a bad decision which to be totally truthful my first relationship was a horrific decision but i still made it but of that came a child and so that child was the only innocent thing until they are no longer innocent meaning to the age of accountability i kept her as safe as and put her in the best situations possible because that's the, the part. So for Moniz, good. Well, I was going to say to answer more specifically about what she's been uh, receiving diagnosis, diagnoses. Uh, I guess we first had her in therapy uh, in junior high, and, elementary school. Actually, and so you know, like I was saying earlier about the the diagnosing process, 
the, uh, the medical, uh, the therapeutic titration, those things take a lot of trial and error, uh, unfortunately, when it comes to mental health. Um, so we were receiving diagnoses for her as early as uh, junior high. You know, some things felt like, yeah, I can understand that. Some things didn't. You know, sometimes she didn't feel comfortable, so you have to change uh, doctors. Um, and so she had several diagnoses up until the time that she... Uh, 21. Uh, uh, until about 21, yes. And so that is the last diagnosis that we're aware of. And we don't really talk about it, the specific diagnosis with her, specifically because, like Marla said, you know, there are other familial implications that go along with that. Well, and the difficulty of her right. to accept her diagnosis. Um, our son, you know, once he become, he, he whenever he becomes effectively medicated, uh, it, for a long enough time, suddenly his awareness comes back and he is in full understanding of what he's dealing and acceptance. with and accepting. And even when he's not, it seems like there's something underneath that is constantly saying, I, I'm going to, you know, follow the protocols just because I'm going to follow the protocols, even though I don't necessarily think that I need to. So that, you know, that's a blessing for him. And and to and to and to just and finish answering what is going on with Monice now, um, you know, it's very important, and because it is so public, that I want people to understand the driving factor of mental health trigger, and it is stress. It is stress. Stress. Yeah. No matter, and no matter what you make it look like, even if that's part of your personality set. It is stressful for a the world to be watching. Whether you know, even if you become addicted to that, and now you're the one exposing yourself at all times to every situation, meaning you're constantly on social media, whatever the case is. Right. It's very stressful to have um, to be exposed at all times. That's number one. Number two, um, Monice has a sense of, in my opinion, you know, it's eventually, eventually, mm -hmm. the lights go out. You, you're not, you, this is the American, American entertainment has the shortest attention span on the planet. Well, I, I'm going to say it like this. And if I can cut you off for just a moment. You already did. And I'm sorry. Because <laughs> yeah. I have to, instead of put a pen in, I have to interject right now. Uh, imagine that if you're whatever emotionally and mental, from a mental health perspective that you're dealing with, you feel that it's important to frame uh, people's feelings and the way that they look at you in a setting where you're in your private home. You know, you want your family to think of you one way. Uh, then you go to school, you want the, your school community to think of you one way. Uh, and sometimes because of what you're dealing with, it's hard for you to maintain behavior that would allow people to think of you in the way that you would like them to. And, and you see people start to think of you negatively and you're constantly trying to reframe the narrative so that everybody would think positively about you because you're trying to fill a hole in yourself because you don't think that positively about yourself. Uh, and imagine that being exploded to a situation where, you know, once a week, everybody is watching TV, is constantly looking at, <laughs> looking at you from a perspective of, uh, of a form of entertainment that is meant to expose all of your flaws. Suddenly you have a job that seems so immense. And then, and then when Marla talks about the stress, imagine the stress of 
24 hours a day having to think about, well, these people said this about me. I need to reframe it to make everyone think that I'm a, I'm a good person. That's got to be mean, so that, hard on her. And, and, and that is, you know, some of the most exposing things that, that happened to, the, to us on the Internet. That was my driver. My driver was because, because it has turned around to be something that is, is actually damaging to others and herself, it was the one chance that you can expose a truth that can play out. And so now what I want is, which it seems that I've gotten my wish, for bloggers and people to fall back because she it's your the exploitation is based on somebody who has a real issue. It's not just a persona of somebody acting out. And there's real effects. Here's another tag I say all the time. America, please know you're being entertained by my pain. Those are still my children. That's powerful. That Boom. Very, very powerful. You pull up and grab a, a popcorn and a drink, and I'm at my house, barely able to walk, trying crying, to trying to keep myself to sleep. You know, trying to figure out how I can get in. That's how I ended up on Love and Hip Hop because Moniz begged us. Us, he was like, Marlon, there's no way. I can't do it. This, I'm in take six. There's no way I cannot allow those two things to ever. And I said, and I told him, I said, all right, listen, I will put on a asbestos suit one more time and I'll go into hell to try to save Moniz. And but I told Moniz, I said, listen, you know, there's because to me, there's also it's, it's like yin and yang. I see both. There's a truth that I felt needed to be shared in a responsible way. But you can't do that on a platform like that, which is why you never saw me again. I was signed to more seasons. I refuse. I'm like, your, your, you. platform, your platform can't house my voice. So I'm good. It's not that you, I, will, I don't mind the truth because sometimes it's raw. Yes. But I did, I did openly say you went out of your way to make America think I did not love my daughter. And that I cannot continue to subject myself to. Because that's not true. Or lend support to yeah. in any way. That's not true. There's, there's I no truth right off the bat from y'all. Absolutely. You can tell how much you love your kids. That's not a doubt in my mind on that. How hard of this was this for you, Marla, while he's touring and you have little kids at home and you're trying to be a, a house mom? You're a powerhouse. I mean, you are a rocking powerhouse and you got all this going on and, and your husband's traveling. How did you oh. make well, let me just say this, you know, and maybe I'm going to I'm going to go a little bit off page here and hopefully I'm going to speak to somebody who will hear this on your podcast. Um, it is it is a struggle for me. Let me start now. I'm this close to just snap when I say snap, not, not take my life or anything of the sort. But I have to, I've had to stand up and say, wait. Who are you? But I had a such I had such a clear vision, a drive of who I am and what I wanted in life from the time that I was young, young. Again, he's known me since I was six. Um, and so with that in mind, I've got I've I've made a choice each step of the way to not dismiss my dreams, but to say, you know what, I, I'll wait. It's time for me to wait for me. I'll, it's okay. I'm a focus on. Dave wanted to, you know, continue to grow the family. I was vehemently opposed. I said, dude, I'm 20. It's fine. We, let me finish college. Let me get my two, two years in. Right. And, and, you know, you're already a mom, blah, blah, blah. That went down. So this is one of our biggest private 
fractures that we still work on because it wasn't I it was it was it was a campaign. And then I was like, you know, and, and he's such a good person. But I knew what that meant. You're not ever home. This take six is take six. In the very beginning, they had three Grammy nominations. I used to joke and say he's on the road 367 days. So I want people to know that I hate that people chase what they think is a high profile relationship. You have to be stronger than the average human. Absolutely, you do. The 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 promoter of his concert tour with Al Jarreau called my obstetrician and said, we can only give him three days off. What's it going to be? When is it safe? And they put me in the hospital on the, th- uh, we, the 13th. We checked into the hotel that night, went into the hospital August 14th. They cut me open, took my son, let him video and take pictures, gave him a, a, a DVD or whatever it was at the time, probably a, a, a reel-to-reel radio. It was like 34 years ago. I don't know. Gave him, gave him a copy. And he got back on the bus and he didn't see us again until DJ was three months old. So be hard for you too, Dave. Yeah. uh, I would say it like this, you know, as a man, at least a man with my personality, you feel the responsibility, the pressure of the responsibility to mitigate all of those pressures that she is talking about. But because it is what I do, you know, uh, and what I feel called to do, which is a little bit different, um, what I, which which I feel is my calling to do this, um, it, you feel handcuffed. And so, you know, there were times when I first came back, a little experience when I first went to feed my son. I didn't know you weren't supposed to put the, Marla says, you know, okay, take the ring. now that you're back, so now you take over. And I'm like, sweet, I'm going I'm to kick in. My first experience with him well, she says, heat the milk up in the bottle uh, for, for what, 30 seconds or something like that, something small. But I, I forgot, to, I, was, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to take the ring off. So the rubber heated up faster than the liquid in the, the hard, The hard ring around the and bottle. And so next thing you know, I, I tested the milk in the back of my hand like I know it's supposed to, perfect temperature, give it to the thing. The soft tissue in his, in his mouth just ex- expanded and just swole up. And I'm, I'm thinking, like, God. My first experience after all of that that she's talking about, knowing that I'm just ridden with guilt, my first experience is that now I've disfigured my son. And so I said they relax, the soft tissue. We were on our way to the pediatrician, and by the time we got there, it had gone down. But I mean, but for me, I was yeah. in full panic and I could not be, I couldn't be talked down because she was like, You need to stop, you need to take it easy. And I was like, Are you kidding me? Look what I've done. <laughs> I mean, I was literally. At, at the end, but I, I say all that to say um, that just is anecdotally talks about the pressures that sometimes we as men feel like, especially when you know there's a situation that uh, somebody is dealing with it. And, and and I'm gonna say this, you know, one of the things that we don't really do, one of the reasons why our first show was called Relationship CPR, uh, uh, and that stood for Coaching Personal Relationships, is that there's no real, you know, if you want to drive a car. You got to go read the handbook. You got to know the laws of the road. You got to figure out how to do it. Uh, and you got to get tested to make sure that you're proficient in being able to drive the car. It's a privilege. Right. You know, how much more important is a relationship, a marriage, uh, a, a parent to child relationship? And a, a lot of times we don't take the time to get the same type of training. We just show up in the job. And, and have to learn at the expense of everyone involved. And so those are the things when I was talking about when you wake up in the morning, 
you know, sometimes at 4.30 in the morning, just sitting there with your eyes like, man, I wish I could be sleeping, but I, I still got to figure things out. And so that is, uh, from my perspective, something that I deal with. And, and I will say this to end this about Moniece, which is important for me to say. My, our hearts are broken. My heart is broken. And I, I, I know more. I can, you know, I, I don't follow her on social media anymore, but of course I get tagged in YouTube, you know, videos and whatever. And I, the other day, I had said something, I, what I saw, I just told Dave, I said, my heart, we, he reached out, but my heart is broken because I know that there's suffering and, and there's, and there's a solution here. There's love here. It, it's never going to change except I can't, make her take it right and so that's the, that's where you know and so it and it, it it looks away the public has been convinced of something that is a false narrative no and, and i'll just say this um without going into detail uh in the not so far distant past seems like eternity for us as parents but the rift really showed up when we were placed in a position of you know because of the issues that are that are that are being dealt with you know, someone else is going to be hurt. And do we allow that to happen? And it seemed like a bad decision and a worse decision that we had to make. So we had to step in, specifically Marla had to step in and make sure that it that it stopped. Now, because of that, to Monisa's credit, you know, most of her issue is that she's hurt. You know what I mean? She's hurt by what she perceived is, which is part of the issues that she deals with abandonment, that she was abandoned by her parents, um, which there's no way for us to, you know, get someone else to see something from our perspective. Mm -hmm. But of course, the abandonment of our children is never the issue. Sometimes protecting of our children requires things that are a little bit tougher to do. Right. And that is, um, and to Marla's credit, uh, she is the toughest, full stop. Yeah. But I'm not but I'm not a drill sergeant. I, I'm a loving mother. That, that's a joke. See it in her eyes. Hold on now, Dave. When I'm looking at no, her. No, 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 no. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me explain. When I say the toughest, she is, oh, here's, an, here's another anecdote. So I'm teaching the kids how to ride their bike. I'm specifically, I'm teaching Monice <laughs> how to ride her bike. And, you know, we, we lived on a hill. So we had a nice little hill. Not to, not to uh, I'm, I, you know, I pride myself in being pretty athletic. So. Not too steep that I couldn't run along no matter how fast she went uh -huh. along the bike to make sure I'm just right there to guide her. Uh -huh. So we're literally doing that for like two hours, one Sunday morning. And we're like, okay, she can ride a bike. I go inside. Uh, I, I, I tell my son to go get mom. So you can see Monique, you know, ride the bike. Monique starts riding. I'm riding, you know, running next to her. Where to go, big girl? Where to go? And uh, next thing you she know, she slams on the brakes before she slammed on the brakes. You start to see the 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 handlebars wiggle a little bit more than I'm comfortable with. Right. And I said, please. And at this time, I'm thinking that she has it. So I've slowed up my run and just with pride looking at, you know, the result <laughs> of my teaching uh, and, and, and her acceptance of it. And we're all just comes together. She's beautifully riding down the street. Next thing you know, I see the handlebars and said, Monique, you need to slow down. She slammed on the brake. It was the front wheel brake, and she went flying over the handlebar. Head first. Head first. It, it's strangely, not face first, only teeth first, 
into the concrete. And it's like, ground the teeth down. And I'm sitting there looking like, oh my God. Right. And I'm literally frozen. Like, first of all, I pride myself on being able to be nice and calm under pressure. But this is one of those things where it's like, wow, the, the teeth have been, I see the nerve hanging out. Oh, no. <laughs> so Marla comes running over. Uh, okay, Dave, do such and such. Pick up the teeth. Such and such. No, and such. I was looking for the teeth. You went to take her to yeah. the in the car. I, you I, were like, I, what was, are you looking for? I was putting the towel to her mouth, stopping the blood, and putting it. I said, Marla, get in the car right now. She's what are you like, doing? I'm going to find the teeth. I'm looking for the teeth. Once we get to the doctor and they deal with it, <laughs> we're going to have to glue the teeth back on. <laughs> like a broken, like and, a and lost that, finger. And that's what I mean by the toughest. When it comes to especially extreme pressure situations, and we've been through many. Suddenly, she goes into a mode of crisis management uh, that shows a toughness and a fortitude that she's the only one in the family that has that ability. Huh. Let me just tell you, this is the first time, and I'm so honored to meet you both, that I've had the pleasure of looking at either one of you face to face. And like I said before we even started recording, my, you both are so much more beautiful than I've ever seen on television, especially her. Sorry, no offense, but she is a powerhouse. I she's <laughs> when she's talking when she's talking she she's so articulate and she you know she's so educated when she talks when she talks about her kids her eyes are so soft and they're full of love and and I don't know if you've told her that but it is so resonating and so beautiful to see because I see the love that she has for the kids and and I see how she's being a strong beautiful mom talking about her children and how much they mean to her even from afar and it's a beautiful thing and you know, to, to see that is so honorable. And she's just, she's a force to be reckoned with. So I know you have saying in front of Reagan and in front of Bush, and you know, you've done all that with the president stuff, but this mama right here has that, you know, authoritative figure, that mama bear toughness. But then when she talks about those kids, those hearts, that those eyes just melt down to love. And it's an amazing thing that shows the authenticity of how much she really does love her kids. I don't understand how some momos are making comments about how you, you know, don't have a kind of love because, you know. Well, you well, have to, you, you have to understand this too. We just talked about how much pain everybody's in, right? right. And sometimes, you know, and, 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 and unfortunately for our daughter, you know, there's a thing that I understand now called trauma bonding. Yes. And that brings you attention. That's not Monisa's story, but it is the story of a lot of people. And if you're, if a lot of people are listening, Monice has used other people's trauma to bond and therefore she, but yet she's this figure. So I become the object of what you hate in your own situation. And that's very powerful because that's why this last time with this, these issues, there's death threats and things of the sort. Um, that so so excuse us uh, my uh, my bad i'm apologizing so th that's why i've had death threats and things but i understand it right. and i will say this too there's something very deep about accountability you have to be accountable you're doing a podcast you have a message you're seen you're heard people are going to develop an opinion period and so i'm accepting of that and and i recognize you can't really know but this is not three-dimensional here Right. You can't know the whole story. You can you can only see what I'm presenting to you. Right. Right? right. So therefore, which again, that's my personal responsibility. I see life like that. I see life in the way of I'm not going, I'm not willing to be public if I can't be fully transparent. Right. I don't want you to just 
look in the background and say, oh my God, they have Grammys. That we have the, the the expense. I say all the time, I've been fully bankrupt, physically, emotionally, and financially. With my my mission is noble, but that's the truth. And I need people to understand this totality of there's no gift that takes you past human. Mm-hmm. There's there's nothing in this world. There's no birthright that that gives you an edge past being human. And I use that that statement all the time. Are, is 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 Harry, our Harry and Prince Harry and William not supposed to feel a suffering after what happened to their mother because they're royals? Right. Did that take them past human? It did not. They still are two boys who lost their the, the, their love of their life. Their mom, who's a great mom. So it seems like to me, we have we have used media and fame. It's all a problem, in my opinion. If we're not going to bring a full transparency, well, and, and unfortunately, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Unfortunately, you know, we, we're going to have we have another <laughs> interview coming up literally in three minutes, so, uh, and, and we're having such a good time speaking with you. Thank you so much. It was an honor. Thank you. Oh, you got to sing something to us on the way out of here since I didn't get to get to really talk to you. I'm sorry. I'm so glad we had this time together. <laughs> Do you know the rest of that? Just to sing. Comes the time we have to say so long. See ya. <laughs> love to talk with you guys again. And I want to help any way that I can. And let's get your organization on our website. and bring awareness. Anyway, we can't tell everybody before you guys have to jump off how they can help, what they we can all do. Okay. What you guys can do right now is you can, first of all, our foundation, we're, we're a donor-based foundation. Hop over to lovingbeyondreason.org. There's a button right there. All of our proceeds are going toward our initial initiative, which is getting ourselves into our first Loving Beyond Reason transition home. Um, please do that. On social media, I'm super active um, personally as well. You can subscribe to my personal page, which is Marla Talks. And I have exclusive content there. Um, as recently, like I said, I did a series called Diary of a Madman. Um, and it's my true transparent story about my past, you know, dangerous relationship. Um, so, you know, but there's going to be other a very truthful content that comes there, including helping parents yes. um, answer tough questions about what I've experienced as a mom who has been in this fight with my children and mental health from the time that I could think from the beginning to now. So there'll be a series coming up on that as well. Can I get both of you to come from, from a musical perspective, uh, of course, Take Six has new music coming out, hopefully uh, top of next year. Oh, I can't uh, wait. <laughs> as well as we're doing an initiative to help raise awareness and funds for mental health uh, through our foundation based on the song that was going to be hopefully turned into a sort of a, get a lot of artists and a lot of people who are creatives actually deal with mental health challenges as well to contribute uh, their talents to what it is we're doing musically. And you've been amazing. And this is me actually giving you a hug close as I can get. Um, I'll get in there. And, th- and, and thank you so very much, seriously, for everything that you do. Um, keep doing it. And we'll, we'll have to stay connected for sure. I hope that you do. I would love to try and help any way that I can. And I really hope that we can, Talk again off of this and let me see what we can do to help. All right. Thank perfect. you very much. Right. Bye. Bye.